the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. My guest today, perhaps someone that you don't know, but the church, the ministry, has a huge spiritual legacy. In fact, Ephesian Church of God in Christ in Berkeley is coming up on nearly 100 years of continuous ministry. And if perhaps you don't know the name of the church, I bet you know the name of the song, Happy Day, which was recorded by the Edwin Hawkins Singers and the Ephesians Choir at Ephesians Church of God in Christ Church way back in 1967. Of course, it became a blockbuster crossover hit, put Ephesians Church on the map to be sure, and demonstrative of the kind of spiritual legacy that this church has had for nearly 100 years. Longtime listeners to KFAX Radio perhaps remember the days when Bishop E.E. E. Cleveland preached from Ephesians Church of God right here on KFAX. Well, joining us now is its current pastor, Bishop Jonathan Logan. And Bishop Logan, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Craig, for having me. It's just a joy and a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you this morning. And what a blessing to spend some time with you today. And and what a blessing it must have been to you when God opened the door and called you to active ministry at Ephesians. Now, let's kind of set the record straight here. You've been involved in pastoral ministry in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, specifically up in Marin County, there at Cornerstone Community Church in Sausalito for decades, well over 30 years of service. And when the previous bishop and senior pastor at Ephesians passed away, God had it in mind to take you to the next level and also to, well, I guess the old adage, strengthen your tent stakes because growth (laughs) is about to happen. And that certainly describes what the Lord has done in your work in ministry, both at Cornerstone and at Ephesians Church. Tell us about how all that came about. Well, it came about after uh, Bishop... uh my late Bishop Carr passed away. He's a wonderful man of God. Uh, we all loved him and respected him. Uh, our jurisdiction was in need of new leadership. And so uh, the question arose, uh, would there be anyone that would be willing to do that? And uh, unbeknownst to me, the pastors in our ju- in our jurisdiction had written a letter to our presiding bishop Uh, to let him know that there was someone that they wanted to fulfill that position. And it happened to be me. So they ganged ganged up on you, in other words. They ganged ganged up on on me. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, when people were coming in from all across the country, they were asking, who is this Logan guy? Who is this Logan guy? People I had never met before. So long story short, um, I became the jurisdictional bishop. But then um, uh, who was going to be the pastor of the church? And so it was suggested that it would be me. And so um, our assistant presiding bishop asked uh, the congregation, uh, would they desire for me to be the pastor of the church? And um, they said that they would. And so that's how I, I came to Ephesian. And, uh, but, you know, I came to Ephesian also being the pastor of Cornerstone Community Church as well. And so I didn't know how that was going to work out. But I believe that if uh, that's what God had in store for me, that's that's what I would do. And that's how I would pursue it. And it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, uh, Bishop passed away in 2015 and um, I officially became the pastor uh, in 16. Uh, I was overseeing the church prior to that. uh, But in 16, I actually became the pastor. And here we are in 2022, six years later. And it's been a wonderful experience. Had there been hesitation in terms of the notion of potentially leaving Cornerstone to move over to Ephesians? I mean, granted, it's geographically from Salisledo to Berkeley, not that far away. But my goodness, 
you spent so many years, more than 30 years at the helm of Cornerstone that I would imagine the decision to basically pastor two separate congregations, but with a lot of synergy going on between the two, must have been an easier decision than the notion of separating from Cornerstone. Is that true? That's true. I didn't know exactly how it was going to be, but the one word the Lord gave me was synchronize. And so, you know, in that process of synchronizing, I also saw uh, the possibility of synergizing, you know, and uh, and I believe that what has happened, and you said it correctly, the synergy that exists between the two congregations is absolutely wonderful. And uh, they're helpers one to another, and they're helping me um uh, uh, in so many ways, probably beyond what they even imagine, uh, because I believe there's one of the things every pastor enjoys. It's when the people of God work together. I'm, I'll never forget reading a book by H.B. London, uh, who was, you know, the brother-in-law of James Dobson, Dr. James Dobson. And he wrote one of the chapters in his book. He says, perks that only pastors enjoy. And one of the things that pastors enjoy is when you see the people of God walking in truth. And you see them walking according to the word of God, getting along, loving one another, helping one another. And so that's that's a perk that I enjoy all the time. Couldn't pay me for that. But uh, I would imagine there is an investment in that regard. And by that, I mean that, Pastor, down through the years, you must have invested in your people to teach them the importance of being active members of the body of Christ, as opposed to sort of the the spectator uh, branch of Christendom that we often see, where folks like to go to church, they love great music, they like a nice show, and when it's all over with, they head home and say, gee, wasn't that wonderful, honey, let's go by the local restaurant and get a bite to eat (laughs) on the way home. And that's the extent of their church experience till the next Sunday rolls around. But it sounds to me, in order to effectively maintain and grow two separate congregations at the same time with all the challenges that that means, especially in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area, you must have poured into your people a tremendous sense of understanding that, and we kind of touched on this before we came on the air today, that Christianity is not something that you watch happen. It's something that you should be playing an active role in, that in many respects, while we treat Christianity as a noun, in reality, Scripture after scripture verse after scripture verse is action, forward moving. It's got that sense of, of, of being a verb so that it's not something that we just sit back and partake in or look at or sign up for and say, yeah, I am a member, but we are active participants in the body of Christ and ultimately in affecting the world with the hope of the gospel. Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. And what I've always striven to do is just teach the word of the Lord, uh, because I really believe that God's word. I, I listen. I'm I'm 65 years old now, and when I was growing up, there was a particular bread product called Wonder Bread, and they'd say Wonder Bread would make you grow in 12 ways, you know. And and I'd use that analogy many times that the word of God will make you grow in so many different ways. And so uh, I've always emphasized the fact that it's not just about coming to church, having church, you know, because, again, that's spectator, as you mentioned, but but not just having church, but really being the church, being the people that God has called us to be, to go out and effectively make a difference in the world, within our spheres of influence, wherever they may be, but to really portray what Christianity is all about by showing the love of God, showing um, showing yourself as being a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that was very important. And so I've done that for years. And uh, it, it amazes me when I see people bringing people to the Lord uh, based upon that simple pretext, you know, that, you know, I'm in the world to make a difference. And so it's been a blessing. And I'm striving to do that even more so. Our theme for this year is the effective church, and we're looking at how we can be more effective, you know, by being more proactive, uh, by beginning whatever we're doing with the end in mind, you know, by thinking first things first, you know, thinking win-win. You know, uh, we're actually using the uh, book written by Stephen Covey 30 years ago, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and we're translating those 
those thoughts, those dynamics, you know, those habits into our everyday lives as believers because they're appropriate, you know, for us. Because I believe the Lord wants us to be effective in all that we do. So what we're doing is we're retooling, we're recalibrating. Uh, we're inviting everybody to get on the field, uh, get on the court. You know, I know in basketball, you can only have five of your team members in at one time. But I want to empty the benches. I want everybody on the field, you know, because I believe if everybody's on the field playing his or her part, whatever that part is, it's going to make a difference in growing the body of Christ. Uh, not only the local church, but the body of Christ everywhere, because I know it has what we do has a rippling effect, you know, so it's not isolated. So when we do positive things and show Christ in positive ways, uh, it's going to have a rippling effect, you know, in the world. And I think conversely so. Um, when we do nothing, that has, in a sense, a rippling effect as well, meaning when we do Absolutely. nothing, nothing happens. And it's Absolutely. easy for we to stand back in kind of a spectator sport fashion and say, oh, you know, if somebody would only do something about the shootings on the streets of Oakland. Oh, if we only saw a greater sense of morality, if children would behave their parents, if there were less incidences of adultery amongst married couples and all of this, if only someone would do something. And we tend to think that there's somebody else out there or a professional, quote unquote, like yourself, a man of the collar who has been called to do this, failing to recognize that again, you know, when Jesus said, occupy until I return, some folks think that means hunker down, stay down below the radar screen, don't call too much attention to yourself, and you'll, you'll manage to get through okay, because one day Jesus is going to return, and when he does, then this will all be over with. But that doesn't at all describe what God has called us to do when he talks about service. And again, as we suggested, the gospel is a gospel of action. Take something as basic as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none should perish but have everlasting life. In that one short verse, no less than four active verbs in there demonstrating this is not just what can happen, but this is something that has motion to it. And we as the church empowered by the Holy Spirit are called to give it that motion. The Holy Spirit will empower us, but we got to go out and do the work. Absolutely. You know, um, we're Christ's hands and feet in the world. And again, that's something that, you know, I've emphasized down through the years is that we're all that God has. I'll never forget a statement that I heard. I was down in Los Angeles uh, one year in particular, and I was down at the Faith Dome uh, where Dr. Price was the pastor. And he made the statement, and the statement resonated with me, and it still does. And the statement was this, if I'm all God has, is God in trouble? You know, and I and I, I that 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 just struck with me. If I'm all that God has, is God in trouble? And I think if we would think about that, you know, collectively as a body of believers, uh, and and really understand that that if I really am all God has, uh, God is really depending on me to make a difference in the world. And I think about Jesus. Uh, he said, "I'm going away." You know, and I'm going to give you another comforter, but, you know, you got to do the work. He's going to help you. You know, he's going to come alongside you to help you. But you've got to be busy doing the work. And you got to understand that Christianity is not only a, a it's, it's not a spectator sport, but you got to also understand it's a contact sport. So you're going to face real life situations. You're going to have challenges, you know, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I believe that the Lord empowers us and, and enables us. The scripture says he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I believe that God is constantly at work in our lives. And even more so when we invest ourselves in doing things that, 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 that seek to grow the kingdom of God. And so it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, 2022, I believe, holds so much for us. Our theme for this year is the effective church. And that's really what we want to do is just show people how the church can be effective when everybody's playing their particular part. And, of course, to be effective, you need to be equipped. And to yes. be equipped, you need to be engaged. That's and so right. if, if we're engaging and we're equipped, we'll be effective. And, and it's interesting because I know some folks, and I imagine, Pastor, you run into this all the time. We're, we're here at the end of two solid years of COVID, entering the third year a lot of folks get very frustrated, fearful, 
conflicting news out there. Then we look at the political landscape in the United States. The last mm-hmm. four or five years, there's been more tumult than mm-hmm. probably, you know, certainly since the Civil War and and the war to separate from Great Britain back in the 1700s. We've been through a very difficult time, and, and, and some folks might feel overwhelmed by all of that. But not, then I think, imagine back when Christ went to heaven to go and prepare that place for us and <laughs> sent the comforter and equipped the church, and 12 men, 11 effectively speaking, under insurmountable odds. Remember, there were no improved highways. They couldn't get on an airplane and head off to the uttermost parts of the earth. You had to walk there. Uh, You couldn't get on Christian radio and preach the gospel. There weren't large churches that would invite you to come on a Sunday morning. And in some cities, if you tried to do that, you wound up having to hide underground because the persecution was so severe. And yet 12 men following that empowerment by the Holy Spirit in the upper room literally turn the world upside down. And here we sit more than 2,000 years later on the the shoulders of, the legacy of, the spiritual legacy of these men. So if they could affect that with not many tools at their disposal, save the power of the Holy Spirit and some of the word that they had memorized, imagine what we have today and what we could do if we just got ourselves engaged. Absolutely. You know, um, it's a great word you use. Uh, There has to be an engagement of purpose. And um, I I like to draw the analogy of uh, an automobile. If it's in neutral, (laughs) you're not going anywhere, you know, basically. Or you're at the whim of whatever's going on. Because, you know, if cars in neutral, you can push it forward or backwards, you know, depending on, you know, what you want to do. But it has no... um, uh, uh, positive traction that will take it in whatever direction it's supposed to go on because it's not engaged. No, no momentum. Okay. No momentum, you know, and so there has to be this engagement that takes place within, not not amongst just the pastors, but, but amongst the body of Christ uh, because we're all in this thing together. Everyone has a different role, a different function, different part to play, but we're all the body of Christ. And so, you know, I like to emphasize to people that you are valuable to the kingdom of God. Uh, Coming out of 2021, I was preaching a series entitled uh, Things You Need, Seven Things You Need to Think About Leaving 2021, Entering into 2022. And so the first one is, is settle it once and for all. You're saved. You're born again. You're delivered from the power, the penalty of sin. One day you're going to be delivered from the presence of sin. But right now, you need to understand that you are a born-again believer, and that makes you a very powerful change agent in the world. You know, and you think about the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mean, that's what those, those 12 apostles went out on, and, uh, and, and, and those, those other, you know, men that were with them, 500 or so, and then it, the numbers just kept growing. And, and I, I can only imagine— uh, Boy, I I think about it sometimes. If I could have just been there uh, just to see the energy and and to see the collaboration of the body, uh, because it was no small feat. Preacher, you know, I read in the Bible, Peter preached one sermon, 3,000 souls added. Then he preaches again, another 2,000 souls added. You know, that was because people were actively engaged. There was no new members class. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we have we have you know, we have new members classes now, you know, um, nothing like that. And yet and still the body of Christ kept growing and growing and growing simply because they took Christ at his word and acted up on what he said, what he said. He said, I'm with you and I'm going to be with you even into the end of the age. And uh, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to give you another comforter and he's going to teach you and he's going to remind you and he's going to help you. And um, I I think if the church today really understood, you know, that it's not a spectator sport, but we need to be actively engaged. When we see a lot of the things you talked about, the crime, the violence, and and all of the things that we see going on in the world that are negative or the antithesis of what Christianity is all about, uh, if we could just step up to the plate as a body of believers— I believe we can make such a tremendous difference in the world. 
And so I'm committed to that. And that's what I want to see amongst our congregation and congregations everywhere. Let me ask you a difficult question. Is this a job that is exclusively before the church? And I pose that question because if we think of all the tumult that's going on in the world around us, we're recording this today. There's hyperinflation in our country, a lot of mistrust politically. We're looking at wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. There certainly seem to be an increased number of markers or signs to suggest. And again, I, 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 I'm always hesitant to ever venture into eschatology too deeply, lease that lead to date setting, and then get yourself all of a sudden caught in, you know, heading down a rabbit hole and, and not be effective with the gospel because you're so caught up in trying to set a date. But you look at all of these things, and some have suggested, for example, when it comes to the kind of violence that we've been witnessing on the streets of America, we need more laws. We need better laws. And yet I think to myself, well, on the topic of law, historically, mankind does not have a good history. In fact, God got so frustrated with our inability to keep the law, that finally he said, there's not enough sacrifices out there to keep up with your sinning because you don't obey my commandments, you don't respect my law, so I'm going to have to do something entirely different. We're going to have to affect a direct heart change by providing the ultimate sacrifice through my only begotten Son that I will send to pay the price on your behalf, and that through him and his work on the cross— you might be saved and forgiven of your sins because on your own, your ability to keep the law has proven to be futile. So I have to wonder, and this is the reason why I pose the question, if more law historically, going back to biblical times, has proven to be a challenge for mankind to keep up with, to obey, then that seems to suggest to me that it's not the need for more law change, but rather greater change of heart, and the change of heart through a relationship with Jesus Christ sounds to me then, Bishop Logan, that that's not a job of Sacramento or Washington, D.C., that that's the job of the church. Am I right about Absolutely. this? Absolutely. I believe that is incumbent upon us as the church. And as you, as you rightfully said, you know, in the keeping of the law, um, striving to do it, you know, laws on the books and whatnot, that, that's it, it, there has to be a heart change, you know, and I believe that's what the grace of God is all about. You know, the scripture talks about that. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all, you know, and I think it's that grace. It's uh, the grace that came through Jesus Christ, the grace that comes through him when we really embrace him, embrace his sacrifice and embrace his life and make his life a part of our life. It makes all the difference in the world. Um, you know, you know, if, if we love the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, uh, and love our neighbor as, as ourselves, boy, what a difference it would make in the world today. Bishop, for folks eavesdropping on our conversation today, and they say, you know, I'm, I'm new to the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been looking for a church home. Our, uh, our, our family is growing, and we really like to get plugged into a church that's dynamic, on fire for Christ, that's teaching the unadulterated truth of the gospel, preaching that from the pulpit every Sunday. Tell us a bit about what's available through the ministries of both Ephesian Church of God in Christ in Berkeley, as well as, of course, there at Cornerstone Community Church in Sausalito. Sure. Well, we'd like to believe that we have a wonderful congregation of people, loving people. That's what I hear when people visit. They say, boy, this is a loving place. But I think that's a really great thing is we accept people as they are. We love people. And I believe that uh, that's that's foundational to people, you know, attending church and maybe even coming back for the second or third time and maybe even parking there. I think that's very important. We have a wonderful music ministry. Um, we love to teach the word. We have great teachers. Uh, I love to preach and teach the word, but I also have a great group of ministers and and uh, uh, male and female that, that actually teach and preach the word as well. It's dynamic. We have some outreach programs that, that are, affect the community. Uh, a lot of things that we were doing uh, pre-COVID, we're not able to do right now, uh, but we will. 
you know, we're still supporting missions. We haven't stopped doing that. But some of the local things that we do, like feeding uh, people in homeless shelters and things like that, we're not able to do that at this particular time. But we, but we like to just, uh, our goal is to be a full service church, to help people, uh, you know, realize uh, the best for themselves, to help them maximize who they are as individuals. And uh, so it's it's just, it's a great experience. So you know, we're we're meeting, you know, on a, in a limited way, you know, right now at the uh, Cornerstone Church in Marin in Sausalito uh, on Sundays at 12 noon. Uh, but then people can catch us on our Bible study lines. We, we meet on Zoom. Uh, we have a we have a uh, platform for that. And uh, we have a we have a YouTube channel where, you know, the messages go forth, Stone Media Production. And so it's exciting. And so if anyone wanted to connect with us, I sure would welcome them to do so. Uh, I tell you, like I've heard in so many cases, we're not a perfect church. No church is perfect. But I tell you what, we are a perfect group of believers. We love the Lord and are striving to do all we can uh, to glorify him. Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor at Ephesian Church of God in Christ, 1709 Alcatraz Avenue in the city of Berkeley, and also Senior Pastor at Cornerstone Community Church in Sausalito. Yeah, and Craig, could I say this? And if you want to join us over at Cornerstone, that address is 626 Drake Avenue, Marin City, California. And more information available, of course, on the web. Just Google Cornerstone Community Church or Ephesian Church of God in Christ. Bishop Logan, we appreciate so much you sharing a bit of your life story and, most importantly, your heart and your passion for God and for His Word. Thanks so much for uh, carving out a little time for us today. Thank you so so much, Craig. It's been a joy uh, being with you today. I've listened to you for so many years, and it's just good to hear your voice and connect the two today. Thanks again so much for your time. There's Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor again at Ephesian Church of God in Christ of Berkeley and Cornerstone Community Church of Sausalito. God bless you. It's so wonderful being with you again. And we just, we're excited about what the Lord is doing. Uh, we want to go into the word of the Lord today. But before we go into the word of the Lord, we've got to pray. Amen. We want to ask God's blessing upon what we're doing. And we're just so grateful that he's blessed us to be able to do that. Uh, would you bow your heads with me at this time? Our Father and our God, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful and thankful to you for this privilege of being with the people of the Lord one more time. We ask, Lord, that you would just anoint us, Lord, that we might share your word, that it might bring edification and life to those that hear. Thank you, Lord, you said in the word, uh, how can the people hear except there be a preacher and how can he preach? except he be sent. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word will just be sent to your people today. So Lord, think through my mind, speak through my lips. Lord, let the people of the Lord be blessed and edified through your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, the Lord bless you, amen. I think I have an exciting word, amen. It was exciting to me as I was looking at it and I want you to look at it today. Right now, go get your Bible. Uh, grab a pencil, grab a piece of paper, uh, grab your notepad, your notebook. Uh, you might want to write some things down because I think that if you're writing them down, they will bless you. Praise God. And then don't just do that. Amen. Subscribe to this channel so that you can be a part of this ever increasing uh, Stone Media Production family. And one more thing, uh, don't forget to tell a friend. Share, amen, with someone else. Amen. We want this thing to grow. We really want it to blow up. Amen. Because it has the capacity to touch lives and bless people. The Lord bless you on today. Uh, if you have your Bible right now, and I trust that you do, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 13. Amen. And we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And we're going to read this scripture. And the Bible reads this, Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. That's Hebrews 13 and eight, amen. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. I ran across another translation of this same verse found in the contemporary English version of the Bible. And it says this, Jesus never changes. Glory to God. Jesus never changes. 
He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that good news? It's good news to know that Jesus is the same. He never changes. And just as he was yesterday, he will be today. And not only today, he will be tomorrow. That means he's unchanging. There's a big word, and we use that word sometimes, and it's, the word is immutable. Amen. He never changes. There's another passage in the Old Testament found in the book of Malachi where God says, I am the Lord and I change not. I change not. And so that's very, very important for us to get. Amen. And we want to use uh, that particular scripture that I shared with you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Amen. As the foundation for what we will be talking about today. So again, uh, get your pencil, get your paper. Praise God. Get your, your listening ears on because I believe that God has something for us today. Amen. We are living in a day and a time when many people, and I, I really, I really want to emphasize that many people have minimized the miraculous uh, saving, healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people, even, even in church, preachers, teachers of the word that want to explain it away and say, you know what? Uh, that was in the Bible. Uh, God is not doing that, and he does it sometimes, but he doesn't do it all the time. Uh, but when I read the word of the Lord, and, and when I look at the miracles that Jesus performed, and when I look at how he performed them, and when I look at what he left on record for us as believers, I kind of have a different viewpoint uh, regarding that. Again, when I go back to our foundation scripture, he's the same yesterday and forever. Uh, he never changes. And so even though we're living in a day where many people have, you know, uh, have minimized the miraculous and really minimized the saving and healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe we can't take that notion. I believe we've got to see Jesus as being uh, as he was when he lived on the earth. Now, right now, we know he's seated on the right hand of the throne of God. What is he doing? He's making intercession for us. Why would he be doing that? Because he knows that we have a need. He knows that we yet need him. Glory to God. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. To have our needs met in Christ Jesus. So, beloved, we've got to understand this. Praise God that even though we are living in a day and time when people have minimized the miraculous, we've got to maximize it by proclaiming what the Lord has said and standing on his word. I want to submit to you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, according to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Let me read it to you in that contemporary English version again, because it's good. Jesus Christ is never. Uh, I like that word. He never, get it, get it. He never changes. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Praise the name of the Lord. And it's important for the church, which is the body of Christ. That's you and me, brothers and sisters, to boldly affirm and proclaim that truth so loud and clear so that others may believe and receive because if you don't believe it, you'll never be able to receive it. But if you get God's word down on the inside of you, if you really understand who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he's able to do in your life, it will make all of the difference in the world. Amen. We cannot afford to let anyone minimize his power because when we minimize his power, amen, we give the enemy room to do whatever he wants to do. And we know what the Bible says, that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But thank God the Lord Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that more abundantly. And so today I want to talk to you from this thought, don't you dare minimize his power. Uh, come on, say it with me. Don't you dare minimize his power. I looked up the definition for the word minimize, and it simply means this, to reduce something to the possible, uh, I'm sorry, to reduce something to the lowest possible amount or degree. 
to reduce something to the lowest possible amount or degree, to underrate, to play down, to diminish, and to decrease. So that word minimize is, is something. It's When you think about the word minimize, you're talking about playing down. You're talking about reducing. And what I'm saying to you today is don't you dare minimize the power of God. Don't minimize his power. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, he performed many, many miracles of healing and deliverance. I mean, if you open up the New Testament uh, you'll find that Jesus did that all the time, everywhere he went. He did it so much that the Bible says that his fame spread abroad. I, I mean, people were just looking for Jesus because they wanted a miracle from him. Sometimes Jesus would touch people. Sometimes he would heal them. Sometimes, amen, he would just speak a word into their lives. And that word would be a life-changing, miraculous healing word. And then there were times when people simply received, amen, by their own actions of faith. I mean, they stepped out. They believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was the son of God. They believed that he had an answer for them. And if they would just exercise faith, they could receive. Jesus's response in, in many of those cases were just something like this. Amen. He'd say, according to your faith be it unto you. Or he might say, thy faith have saved thee. Or he might say, thy faith had made thee whole. Amen. He said that to that woman in Mark, amen, chapter five. Woman, thy faith hath made thee whole. One of my favorite passages is found in St. Matthew, or rather St. Mark chapter two. Amen. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. St. Mark chapter two. Uh, you might, you know, write that down because that's something that we're going to look at. Mark chapter two, and we're going to look at verses one through 12, and we're going to share that a little bit later. But let me go back and say this. The many miracles which Jesus performed were documented and they uh, uh, and they were documented by eyewitnesses. And you know what they did? Those eyewitnesses memorialized those things that Jesus did in scripture. Uh, uh, and, and I believe it was done just for us. The gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all had a part in writing down the various miracles that Jesus performed. Together, collectively, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John recorded 37 miracles that Jesus performed. But we know that he performed more because John tells us in John chapter uh, 21, verse 25, this Bible says, Jesus did many other things well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. In other words, Jesus performed so many miracles. Amen. His power was demonstrated so greatly that if every recorded, if every miracle were recorded and written down, uh, John said at that time in which he lived, the books of the world would not be able to contain them. And I'm telling you, he's performing miracles right now. And if you need a miracle right now, amen, you can believe God for a miracle to take place in your life. Glory to God. So how dare, how dare uh, anyone minimize the miraculous miracle working power of God? He's still performing signs, wonders, and miracles, amen, by his mighty power. Jesus performed miracles in the Bible by his mighty power. Amen. We read in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Listen, Jesus turned water into wine. That was his first miracle. His second miracle, he healed an official son in Capernaum. Amen. The third miracle, Jesus drove out an evil spirit uh, from a man who was in Capernaum. His fourth miracle, he healed Peter's mother-in-law who had been sick of a fever. I mean, the list could go down and you could get 37 different miracles. Sometimes Peter, James, and John, amen, would record the same thing. Amen. But it would be a miracle that Jesus 
uh, uh, performed, amen, for the benefit of someone, amen, to help them get better. And I want to let you know that Jesus, amen, is still able to do the same thing today. The 37 miracles of Jesus that were written down in the New Testament serve as a serve for a specific purpose. I mean, I mean, these miracles were not just written down randomly. There was a purpose for all of them. None were performed randomly or or for amusement or, or, or for show. Each miracle was accompanied by a message and it either met a serious human need or it confirmed Jesus's identity and his authority as the son of God. Sometimes Jesus called on God the Father when performing miracles and at other times he acted on his own authority, revealing both, amen, his divinity and him being a part of the triune Godhead. Amen. Jesus's very first miracle, if you will recall, it was in Cana of Galilee. Jesus turned water into wine at Cana of Galilee. Amen. That was the first miraculous sign, amen, that Jesus performed. This miracle showing Jesus's supernatural control over physical elements like water revealed his glory as the son of God and marked the beginning of his public ministry. Oh, I want you to know that Jesus is still turning water into wine. You might say, well, you know what? I had a glass of water. I didn't see it turn into wine, but I tell you what the Lord does. Amen. That kind of miracle that he performed on that day in Cana of Galilee may not happen for you in the same manner, but I tell you what, he can take a bad situation and make it good. Oh, you ought to clap your hands right now. Amen. Because he can make a way. Listen, God is a God who still makes ways out of no way. He's still a God who can turn situations around. He's still performing miracles. He's still providing for us, even when it looks like no provision is available. He's still working miracles for his people. Some of Jesus' most astonishing miracles included raising people from the dead. You remember he raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember that young man, amen, in the city of Nain, Jesus was entering into the city. The funeral procession was going on. Praise God. And the, 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 the boy's mother, praise God. The, the, she was following that casket down the road because that son probably represented her livelihood. He probably represented, amen, uh, her source of monetary gain because he probably worked to support the family. This young man had died, praise God, and they were walking through the city, amen. And here comes Jesus, amen, right on time. And I, listen, listen, he's always right on time, beloved. He came, amen, he touched the, the Bible says the beer, which was the casket or, or, or the cot, amen, the thing that the young boy was on, amen, and he told him to get up and the boy got up. Listen, Jesus is still raising the dead. Amen. He still praise God. Amen. Dead things, dead situations, dead relationships. Praise God. Things that people have cast off and thought, amen, it would never be good anymore. Jesus is yet resurrecting and he's still resurrecting those types of things. He's doing astonishing things for believers. Amen. These supernatural acts of love, praise God, and power. Those things drew people to Jesus. It was dramatic and clear evidence that he was the son of God and he was validating that claim in the world. Amen. Yes, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Praise God. His acts of mercy and kindness and love and compassion showed to the world, amen, that he was able to do anything. Praise God. Well, how does this apply to us today? Because it's very important that we understand, amen, that Jesus worked miracles, but he left something on record, amen, for the church, for the believer. Remember, I gave you that scripture a few moments ago, Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus of Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Well, you know what? Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God 
right now, but you know what he left on record? He left on record that believers, yes, that's you and that's me. We would be able to do the works that he did. The disciples would remember they came to Jesus one day in John chapter six, and they said, Lord, what must we do that we might work the works of God? His, his statement to them was so powerful. Amen. And catch this. This is what he said. This is the work of God that you believe on the name of the son of God. Listen, if you believe on his name and if you act on his name, glory to God, because of what God has vested in you as his child. Amen. You will begin to see miracles performed in your life. Now, if you don't believe it, praise God. Let's go to the word of the Lord. Here's what the Bible says in John chapter 14. Verses 12 through 14. Verily, verily, that word verily means truly. Amen. God is not a man that he should lie. Jesus never lies. Praise God. And he says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, listen to what he says, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus left on record that believers, yes, you and me would be able to do the same works that he did. Well, what, what, what did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He opened up blinded eyes. Amen. People were restored back to life. Listen, church, I don't believe we're, we're scratching the surface of what Jesus told us that we would be able to do. And again, people are minimizing and said, oh, that went out with Jesus. That can't happen in your life. Amen. But I beg to differ because God is not a man that he should lie. And the Bible says that if he's the same yesterday and today and forever, I believe, I believe with all of my heart, amen, that God will bless us and anoint us, amen, to do the same thing that the Lord Jesus Christ did. Listen to what he says in verse 13 of chapter 14, St. John. He says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, praise God, that will I do. And that word ask right there, he's not saying ask as a petition, but what you demand in my name. Amen. You see situations that need to be changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. You speak against it. Amen. You call those things which be not as though they were and begin to see God operate in your life. Jesus says this, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the father may be glorified in the son. The father God, amen. Father God was glorified in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember what Jesus said, my father worketh and hitherto I work. Amen. The works that you see me do. Amen. I'm only doing what the father told me to do. Listen, the father wants us to do the same things that Jesus did. He's looking for someone right now that will say, I will dare believe, praise God. And I will not minimize the power of God. I will not explain it away. Praise the Lord. But I will believe that when I pray, God is going to hear my prayer. I believe that when I ask God to do something, God is going to do it. Jesus said this, praise God, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. First John chapter five, verse 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, in Christ Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. Listen, brothers and sisters, he hears us. And if he hears us, that means that we can have an assurance that we will have the petitions that we've asked of him. Why? Because we've done what the word of the Lord says. In verse 14, he says, if you shall ask anything in my name or demand anything in my name, listen to what he says, I will do it. That's what Jesus said. And if Jesus said it, you can believe it. Amen. But then you can go to another passage of scripture. Let's look at Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20. And he said unto them, go ye into all of the world. This is the great commission. Amen. We have this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. But here we have it in Mark. And again, it's the great commission. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world. Who was he talking to? His disciples, his followers, praise God. And guess what? You and I are followers as well. 
And he tells us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, listen, remember what I told you? A, a miracle, it's a sign, it's a wonder. Amen, it's the power of God. He says these signs, these signs, these, these signals, these indicators shall follow them that believe. In my name, listen, this is what Jesus said. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Verse 4, 18 says, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, Jesus said that, and just a few days later, guess what? Those things begin to manifest. The Bible says this in verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That's where he is right now. And the Bible says in verse 20, and they went forth. Who were they? The ones that Jesus had just spoken to concerning what they would be able to do in his name. The scripture says, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Listen, brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare minimize his power. I told you I wanted to share, amen, one of my favorite texts in the Bible that deals with this miracle working power of the Lord. Amen. And it is awesome. It's found in St. Mark chapter two. Amen. And if you get your Bible, praise God, turn there with me. Praise the Lord before we close. And again, he entered into Capernaum, which means he had been there before he came back. And after some days, it was noised that he was in the house. You know, everywhere, everywhere Jesus went, people followed him and they knew that he was in the house. All right. In verse two, it says, and straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Glory to God. That That's so important. <clears throat> And if we were to unpack this verse, we would see, praise God, amen, that there were people thronged around this place trying to get in where Jesus was, but they could not get in, amen, because the place had already filled up. There was no room to receive them, no, not so much uh, as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Why is that so important? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith, amen, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says he preached the word unto them. What does this, what did this word do? This word produced faith. It produced what they needed for them to receive from God. Verse three says, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So, so here, here are five men, amen, four carrying uh, like a little stretcher, amen, and one man lying on it because he was paralyzed. And, and they, they brought him to the door, but they couldn't get in because the Bible just told us this, that people couldn't get in uh, because there were so many people. And, and so what they thought was this. You know, if we can't get in one way, we're going to reach him another way. You know what I call this, brothers and sisters? I call this faith in action. Their faith said, if I can't get to him that way, I can find another way to get to Jesus. And so the Bible says in verse four, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, there were people all around that door. The Bible says that they uncovered the roof where he was. They climbed all the way up to the roof and began to tear off, amen, the roofing material. And they let their friend down right in the midst of that crowd, right at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is what's so amazing to me. Praise the Lord. And verse five says, when Jesus saw their faith, amen. Well, how can faith be seen? I tell you how faith can be seen. Faith can be seen by our actions. See, understand this. Faith is not only believing God, 
but it's also acting upon what God has said. Many people do not see God's power maximized, amen, and it's minimized because they never act on what the Lord has said. Amen. The Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and you know, in every crowd, there's going to be somebody that's going to be a disputer, someone that's going to be murmuring. And he said, how in the world can you do that? Amen. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And the Bible says this in verse eight. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know, listen, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And notice this, verse 12. And immediately, immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Listen, Jesus worked miracles then. He's working miracles right now. Don't you dare minimize his miracle working power. He's the same as he was then. He's the same today and he'll be the same tomorrow. What does that mean? If you need healing today or you need healing tomorrow, guess what? He's the same Jesus and he can do the same thing for you. So don't you dare minimize his power, but receive, amen, what the Lord said you could have in Jesus name. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you today for the word of God. We want to thank you, Lord, that your miracle working power is right there in that room with that individual that's hearing this word right now. Lord, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that healing will take place. Deliverance will take place. Your glory will be revealed. Prayers will be answered and the miraculous will be seen. I give you praise and I give you glory for this now. I believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, brothers and sisters, I want you to believe. The Bible says, amen, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Don't minimize his power through unbelief, but believe, amen, that what he's promised, he will perform in your life. Amen. The Lord bless you until next time. Amen. Keep looking up. Amen. And remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor at Ephesians Church of God in Christ, 1709 Alcatraz Avenue in the city of Berkeley, and also Senior Pastor at Cornerstone Community Church in Sausalito. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.